Chapter thirty three of the Eye of Dread. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Eye of Dread by Payne Erskine. Chapter thirty three. Hester Cragmile receives her letter. The letters reached their opposite destinations at about the same time. The one to Amelia closely buttoned in larry's pocket and the short one to himself which he read and re-read as his horse quickly climbed the trail were halfway up the mountain when the postboy delivered hester cragmiles at the door of the sedate brick house belonging to the cragmiles of aberdeen peter jr's mother and two elderly women his grand-aunts were seated in the dignified parlour taking afternoon tea when the housemaid brought hester her letter is it from peter maybe asked the elder of the two aunts no aunt helen i think it is from a friend it's strange now that peter's no written before this said the younger leaning forward eagerly will you read it dear we'll be waiting to know if there's a word about him till there may be aunt jean hester set her cup of tea down untasted and began to open her letter but take your tea first hester jean's an impatient body that's too bad of ye jean her toast's getting cold oh that's no matter at all aunt ellen i'll take it as soon as i see if he's home all right yes my friend says my husband has been home for three days and is well that's good no you're satisfied lay it by and take your tea and hester smilingly laid it by and took her tea for mary ballard had said nothing on the first page to startle her friend's serenity jean cragmile however still looked eagerly at the letter as it lay on a chair at hester's side she was a sweet-faced old lady alert and as young as peter jr's father for all she was his aunt and now she apologized for her eagerness by saying as she often did ye mind he's mare like my brother then my nephew for we all used to play together peter catherine and me we were a friends she was like a sister and he like a brother oh well we're old now her sister looked at her fondly you're no so old jean but she might be older it's like i might have been the mother of her for i mind the time when she was laid in my arms and my fire tell me i was to a care for her like my ain and but for i i would nay belin too and why for no asked jean quickly i had ye to care for child do ye no understand jean laughed merrily she's been calling me child for sixty-five years she said both the old ladies wore lace caps but that of jean's was a little braver with ribbons than ellen's small lavender bows were set in the frill all about her face and the long ends of the ribbon were not tied but fell down on the soft white mole handkerchief that crossed over her bosom i mind when peter married ye hester said ellen I was fair wild to have him bring ye here on his wedding journey, and she should have done so, 
for we've not seen him since he was a lad, and all these years I've been waiting to see ye. Well, twas good of him to leave ye bide with a bit, and go home without ye, said Jean. It was good of him, but I ought not to have allowed it. Hester's eyes glistened, and her face grew tender and soft. To the world, the elder might seem harsh, stubborn, and vindictive, but Hester knew the tenderness in which none but she believed. Ever since the disappearance of their son, he had been gentle and most lovingly watchful of her, and his domination had risen from the old critical restraint on their thoughts and actions to a solicitous care for her comfort, studying her slightest wishes with almost appealing thoughtfulness to gratify them. And why, for no allow it, there's nothing so good for a man as letting him be kind to ye, even if he is an elder in the kirk. I'm thinking Peter's ain't or them that's such as good for Hester. What ails ye? Are oot of ye mind? Give her a drop of whisky, Jean, Hester. While they were chatting and sipping their tea, Hester had quietly resumed the reading of her letter, and now she sat staring straight before her, the pages crushed in her hand, leaning forward pale, with her eyes fixed on space, as if they looked on some awful sight. Hester, Hester, what is it? Is there a bit o' bad news for ye in the letter? Here, take a sip o' this tea, dear. Take it, Aster. Twill aiden ye up, whatever's until, cried Jean, holding to Hester's lip the ever-ready Scotch remedy which she had snatched from a wall cupboard behind her, and poured out in a glass. Ellen, who was lame and could not rise from her chair without help, did not seize her directions and ejaculations, lasping into the broader scotch of her girlhood under excitement. It was the way with both women. "'Tell us what ails she, dear. Maybe it's no so bad. Give me the letter, Jean, and I'll see what's in't. Ring for a bell or tilly, and we'll get her to the couch. But Hester caught Jean's gown, and would not let her go to the bell cord, which hung in the far corner of the room. No, don't call her. I'll lie down a moment, and, and we'll talk this over. She clung to the letter, and would not let it out of her hand, but rose and walked wearily to the couch, unassisted, and lay down, closing her eyes. After a minute, Aunt Ellen, I tell you, I must think, I must think. So she lay quietly, gathering all her force to consider and meet what she must, as her way was, while Jean sat beside, stroking her hand, and saying sweet, comforting words in her broad scotch. There's nothing so gild as a drap o' whisky, dear, for strengthening. The art when ye add a bit o' shock. Is no your mon, Peter? No. We'll thank the Lord for that. No. Take ye un bit soup for ye and tasted it. Will ye know Giel in the letter, love? Twill save ye telling her. Hester passively took the whisky as she was bid, and presently sat up and finished reading the letter. Peter has been hiding something from me for three years, and now. Yes, and no, he's either way with them that hides. When the day comes, they will reveal 
is only the mare to their shame exclaimed ellen oh but it's all mixed up and my best friend doesn't know the truth yes take the letter aunt ellen and read it yourself she held out the pages with a shaking hand and jean took them over to her sister who slowly read them in silence ah no as i tell ye it's no so bad she said at last what's the trouble ellen don't keep us waiting bid ye impatient child you're always so easily excited i mun read the letter again to get the gistolt but it's like this the elders been of the opinion no these three years that his own son was most foundly murdered and he may have been killed but he was no murdered cried jean excitedly i'll tell you twas purely by accident she paused and suddenly clapped both hands over her mouth and rocked herself back and forth as if she had made some egregious blunder then gang o wi ye tellin is daughter bide waitin give me the letter and lat me read it for meself lat me tell as i mun tellt ye man no keepin interruptin jean has no order in her brain she i pits the last first and the first last this a hopeful letter and a good ain from your friend and it tells ye your son's leadin and o murder thank the lord i have i said it ejaculated jean fervently ay ye have said it child what mean ye ye have kenned nothing bought it but jean would not be set down she leaned forward with glistening eyes i have i said it i have i said it give me the letter ellen but ellen only turned composedly and resumed her interpretation of the letter to hester who sat looking with dazed expression from one aunt to the other it all comes about from peter's being a stubborn man and he'll no change the opinion he's held for three years what a struggle here comes this boy back and says i'm peter jr and your son and his father says to him you're no my son for me son was murdered and you richard kildine what well, murdered him and no it's for ye to go home esther and bring peter to his sense and show him the truth the mither knows her ain boy and if it's peter jr it's peter jr and richard kildine's died i tell ye he's no dead cried jean springing to her feet hush child he mon be dead for ain of them's dead and this is peter jr read this again aunt ellen said hester wearily you'll see that the elder brings a fearful charge against richard he thinks richard is making a false claim that he is peter my boy jean sat back in her chair crying silently and shrinking into herself as if she were afraid to say more and ellen went on listen now what your friend says the elder is wrong for bertrand that's her husband i'm thinking yes bertrand and betty who's betty no betty is their daughter she was to have married my son good so she would know her lover betty and i have seen him she says and have talked with him and we know he is peter jr she says 
Richard Kildene has disappeared, she says, and yet we know he is living somewhere and he must be found. We fear the elder will not withdraw the charge until Richard is located, and what will be like Peter too, and meanwhile your son Peter will have to lie in jail, where he is now, unless you can clear matters up here by coming home and identifying him, and that you can surely do, and that's all there will, there's nothing to go distraught over in the like o' that, and here she says, he's a noble, fine-looking man, and you'll be proud of him when you see him. Oh, tis a fine letter, and it's Peter wee his stubbornness has been making a boggle and things. If I were na lame, I'd go back wi' ye and gie Peter a piece o' me mind. And I'll locate Richard for ye, cried Jean, rising to her feet and wiping away the fast-falling tears, laughing and weeping all in the same moment. Whisht, Ellen, it's yours that keens nothing about it, and I tell you the truth the no, that I've kept to myself this long time till my conscience has nigh whooped me until my grave. Tack a drap o' whiskey, Jean, you're flying out all your eyed. It's no the hysterics, cried Jean, walking back and forth and patting her hands on her knees and speaking between laughing and crying. It's the truth at last that I've been lying about these three long years. Thank the Lord. Jean, is it thanking the Lord ye are for lying? Ellen, ye mind when ye broke your leg and lie in the south chamber that lang six months? I will, do I mind it? Let be where ye interrupting. While I tellt, ye came here. Who came here? Richard, the poor lad, he told me all about it, how he had a mad anger on him, until his cousin Peter Jr., when they'd been like brothers and all their lives, and who he pushed them over the brink, or a great precip to his death, and who he must forever flee from the law, or his uncle's wrath. No, it's... Oh, Jean! cried Hester despairingly. Don't you see that what you say only goes to prove my husband right? Yet how could he claim to be Peter? It, it's not like the boy. Richard never, never would. He may have been aught or his hide thinking. He pushed him over the brink. And I've na much opinion or the judgment or a man ony way. They never know when to be set and when to give in. Think shame to yourself, Jean, to be hiding things from me, the like or that hand the lying to me. He was repented, Ellen. Ye can attack the power o' the Lord in your ain hands, and guide me up to the law when he's repented. If ye'd seen him and heard the words, or him and seen him great, ye would ha' hidden in your heart, er, uh, covered with the mantle, or charity, as I did. Moreover, I saved ye from delighting yourself. Ye mind when that man that Peter sent here to find Richard came who ye said to him that Richard had never been here. Ye never knew why for that man wanted Richard, but I knew and I never tellt. And if ye had known what I knew, 
"'Ye never could have told him what ye did so roundly and stent him about his business. We a straight face. "'And nor were Richard. He all in Paris pen and pictures. He went there to learn to be a painter. "'I will get ye the money to go we. There's wore the new black silk dress when she should have bought yourself that year. Ye let me think it went to the doctor. Child, child. Yes, sister, I lead to you. It's been a heavy sin on my soul, and ye may well thank the Lord. It's no been on your aim. But hark ye no, it's all come back to me. Here's the twenty pound I gave him, and it's come back with interest. Proudly Jean drew from her bosom an envelope containing forty pounds in banknotes. Look ye who, he's dormant it. Again she laughed through her tears. And you know where he is? I can find him. Yes, Hester, dear, I know. He took a new name. It was Robert Cater he called himself. So there's he's been painting pictures. Go, Hester, find your son. And I'll find Richard, Ellen. You'll have to do with Tilly for a week and a bit. I'm going to Paris to find Richard. You'll do nice a thing. You'll find him by post. I'll trust to nay letter than no. Ellen, letters have gang astray, but are no gang astray. Oh, child, child, it's a sorrowful thing. I'm lame and cannot go with ye. What are ye doing, Hester? I'm hunting for the newspaper. Don't they put the railroad timetables in the paper over here? Or must I go to the station to inquire about trains? You'd better ask at the station. I'll go with ye. Ye might boggle it by yourself. Win for Tilly Jean. She can help me walk my chair and get me dressed while you're looking after your own packing, Jean. So the masterful old lady immediately began to superintend the hasty departure of both Hester and Jean. The whole procedure was unprecedented and wholly out of the normal course of things, but if duty called they must go, whether she liked the thought of their going or not. So she sent Tilly to call a cab and contented herself with bewailing the stubbornness of Peter, her nephew. It was I so... Rummy was a lad playing with Jean and Catherine. Wells wan his fire, lattice mither bring Catherine and him back to Scotland on a visit. Jean and Catherine mourn get in till they liked it or no. I've watched them mornings the time when he would hold them up in their play by the hour together, arguing which should be horse and which should be driver, and it was always Peter that won his way with them. Is the cab there, Tilly? Then give me my crutch. Hester, are you ready? Jean, I'll find out for ye all about the trains for Dover. Ye mun gang direct and no loiter by the way. Come, Hester, I doubt she ought not to be going about alone. Paris is an awful light place for a woman, body to be going, about alone, but it cannot be helped. What's an old woman like me We only the sound leg and a pair of crutches to go on sick like a journey? If I could, I'd take you home with me, Aunt Ellen. If I were only sure of the outcome of this trouble, I would anyway, but to take you there to a home of sorrows. There, Hester, dear, don't ye greet. 
it's my opinion ye are going to find your son and tuck him in your arms aunt mare ye were never the right wife for peter i can see that ye're too saft and gentle i'm thinking how peter has borne this trouble alone all these years and suffered trying to keep the sorrow for me yes dear yes peter told us all about it when he was here and he bade us not to let ye keen a word about it but to keep from ye all knowledge of it no it's come to ye by way of this letter for your friend and i'm thinking it's the best way for no at least ye am it in your power to go and maybe save an innocent man for it's no like a son of our catherine would be sick like a base coward as to try to win out from justice by lying himself until his victim's own home i think know it nor i aunt ellen it's unbelievable and of richard no i loved richard he was like my own son to me and peter junior loved him too they may have quarrelled and even he might in a moment of anger he might have killed my boy but surely he would never do a thing like this they are making some horrible mistake or mary ballard would never have written me no ye're talking sense keep up courage and then token a fiction upon yourself until it's thrust upon ye by providence thus good aunt ellen in her neat black bonnet and shawl and black mitts seated at hester's side in the cab holding to her crutches comforted and admonished her niece all the way to the station and back and the next day she bravely bade jean and hester both good-bye and settled herself in her armchair to wait patiently for news from them end of chapter thirty three recording by elaine webb bristol england